All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to Speak True Sports. This is Bert. I'm here with Say, and today we are talking about the five most likely coaches to be fired either during the season or right, right into the offseason. Uh, so there's, there's a long list, a list of coaches that are underachieving and teams that are not doing great. And we'll, we'll touch on each each coach, uh, but we'll, we'll go over our five most likely to be fired. Starting with number five, Mike Zimmer of the Minnesota Timber, or sorry, Minnesota Vikings. Um, this team is, you know, they started off pretty decent, but they've been declining ever since, in my opinion. And I think Mike Zimmer's a, he's a part of this. I mean, I'm not, I don't know if he's overusing Dalvin Cook uh, or maybe he, the schemes are different. They're not, but these don't look the same. Dalvin Cook doesn't look the same, even after coming back from his injury. And something's up with Kirk Cousins. I don't know if that's on Kirk or I don't know if that's on uh, the line. There's so much stuff going on that's just wrong on the field. I feel like he could really get a, a blame for it. And he's been there for so long. He might just get the blame for it and be out. Yeah. Um, I, I would say my take on it is that, that, you know, he's just been there so long. And then, you know, they, they've never gotten to the ultimate goal. I think yeah. at this point, they're going to want a fresh start. They're going to want to start with somebody new. Um, they're just they're just going to they're just going to want to bring a new face to the players, just 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 to kind of you know restart. I think they've tried with Zimmer, you know they've they've gotten very close, but he's just he's just never been able to get the job done. And I think at, at this point, if he doesn't get an extension, um, which I don't think he will, I, I think it's just his tenure is just going to be done, and I think he's going to be on the market for a head coach. Um, and there's been so many questionable like decisions from him throughout his entire yeah. time. But like he also had um, a few years ago one of the most stacked teams in terms of offense and defense. I mean, he had Stefan mm-hmm. Diggs and Adam Thielen on the same team. He had Kirk Cousins, who's a who's a pretty decent quarterback. He had a solid offensive line. He had a really good defensive line, an elite defensive line with uh, an, an average secondary. You mm-hmm. should be contending. You should not be at that. Playoffs. I believe Dalvin Cook was on the team at that time too, and he was and yeah. and he was looking really. This is when Dalvin That's Cook was really healthy, yeah. and he was you know looking like one of the best running backs in the league. That was like his breakout year. Mm-hmm. And like you have all this talent, but like, I mean, I think what they got past the did they even get past the first round in the past few years? Um, I, I believe they made it to the I second think they got round. Past one. Yeah, they made it to the second round. They lost to that miracle against. Um, they they lost to the miracle against uh oh no they had the miracle yeah they had the miracle against Dallas right wasn't it no it was against I think in New Orleans oh yeah you're right right they had the miracle against New Orleans so uh-huh. they've gotten past the first round twice beating New Orleans and it was back to back years I think one year was a miracle and then the next year was a questionable call with the pass interference that obviously uh, I think it was Kyle Rudolph pushed off in the end zone and they yeah. said he didn't push off yeah. and they reviewed it. And they clearly showed that he pushed off and they called it with no push yeah. off. That was the year that they were just so against overturning. Tom Payton. Yeah. So um, but look, even with that, like, I feel like that game shouldn't have been that close. Yes. Like, let's be honest. Absolutely. Like, look, they should have won that game. They just, they've had so much talent. They've underachieved every single year. Um, and now if they miss playoffs, I seriously see, I could see him being see gone. Mike Zimmer being gone. Yeah. He's only got a year left after this year. So. I assume probably in the offseason, they, they either they let him loose or they just let him play out his final year. And he's just done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's move on to number four. Nick Sirianni of the Eagles. Now, I know he just got signed. 
but it has not looked good. No. He refused to run the ball for like the first seven weeks of the season. Just he had Miles Sanders did not want to run the ball for some reason. He finally ran the ball last week and won the game. Will he do it again against the Chargers who are a, a, a bad run defense? I don't know. Yeah. Either way, I mean, you had brought up how uh, he wasn't even their first choice. Or like they kind of yeah, settled. So um, I, I remember I remember I remember in the all season just going, you know, just looking into all the head coaches and stuff like that. Um mm-hmm. I believe there was an article that said that he was actually their worst interviewer. They weren't really pleased with how he interviewed. You know, he just seemed very uh they just say he didn't really seem mature enough for the head coaching job. Like he just wasn't, he wasn't all the way ready for it yet. And they were rumored that they wanted to get Rob Sala. And um, you know, Rob Sala ended up going to the Jets, and then the Jets just snagged him up immediately. I think they signed him before he even left the uh facility. Um, so at that point, uh I think every other everybody else had been uh picked up and they were just kind of like, you know, we gotta go, we we gotta we, we gotta take what we can get. And they kind of just took Nick Sirianni and it was kind of just like a prayer and hoping that he would, you know, at least have some success, but it just, it's just not looking well to uh, go, go on what you mentioned. How do you not run the ball with, you know, somebody who could be a top tier running back in the NFL and you don't even give him over seven carries a game. I think, I think Miles Sanders was averaging five to six carries a game. Yeah. I mean, that's horrible for anybody. That's backup numbers. Yeah, that's backup numbers. It's not even for a guy who's supposed to be obviously the bell cow. Um, I think I think Jalen Hurts was at some point was throwing almost 50, 50 times a game. And I think he was only completing like 20 to 30, 20, low, high 20s, high to low 20s, sometimes 30 at times, but not really often. Um, yeah, I just I just I just don't think he's the fit. I think they kind of just settled. And I think that they'll move on after this year when there's more, you know, candidates on the on the board. Yeah, and I mean, you, we kind of saw that lack of maturity, uh, quote unquote, that they were talking about in his first press conference with the team, where everyone was like, "Yo, is this guy all right?" Like he was stumbling over his words, he was stuttering, and everyone was like, "Eh, like." And I, I just, yeah, I I don't know. It was something weird about this is they haven't released how long the deal is. I don't think at least yeah. I haven't been able to find it, or they haven't released how much he, they haven't even released how much he's making, like nothing like that. So we don't know if it's a, a one-year deal, a two-year deal. Shoot, it could be a 10-year deal. It probably isn't a 10-year deal, but like <laughs> we have no idea. So we, they we, have, we don't know the information. Yeah, they might have signed him to a smaller deal, shorter term, because they knew, okay, we'll wait for some guy to get fired or some candidate to rise up that we can go snag. And this kind of just feels like ineptitude on the Eagles uh, front office. Cause it's like, like you don't just settle for the guy that like had the worst interview and like, you didn't and really want go keep cheap, keep looking. Like there's going to be somebody out there, some special teams coordinator, somebody on yeah. some team that's going to want a shot. And it's going to be better. Honestly, in my opinion, I think, I don't think they ever, I don't think they should have fired Doug Peterson. I don't think he was the problem. Um, I mean, Doug Peterson was kind of working with whatever he had. I mean, the team was very injury prone. I think they had working with, I think they had two or three practice squad receivers last year or the last couple of years. And then the whole drama with Carson Wentz, he could never be healthy, constantly having to play with backups. Um, you know, he gets Jalen Hurts for one year and then they come, they kick him to the curb. Don't even let him develop a relationship with him. I think he possibly could have 
turn Jalen Hurts into a, a very good quarterback. I think he would have developed him into something better than what he is now. I mean, yeah. mind you, Jalen Hurts is playing not having better. A horrible, yeah, I mind you, Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts isn't having a horrible season, but he's also not having mm-hmm. a horrible season because he's throwing so much. They're not running the ball at all. Um, yeah. I, I just think this was a very it was a very bad move by the GM. I think he's kind of paying for it now with, with what's going on in his current situation. Yeah, I don't think they wanted to fire Doug Peterson. I feel, like, but the, I feel like they felt like they had to because that bad press he got, where like, yeah, uh, he kind of pulled the end of the game and like the last week. Um, yeah, I, I think they just were not prepared to find a new head coach. But at the same time, the NFL offseason is like how long? Like was like months. five months, like four or five months. You got yeah. time, yeah. more man. than enough time. You got time. Like you should have been able to find somebody that you really believe in, not somebody you got to settle for. And something yeah. else about the Eagles, something that really I, I I just despise about the Eagles organization is that they have zero patience, absolutely zero patience. The second somebody does not perform, they'll get them the heck out of there. But at the same time, sometimes they do have patience. It's weird. It's like it's like they had so much patience with their wide receiver, their mediocre wide receiver core, and with yeah. Carson Wentz. But they don't have any patience with Jalen Hurts. They don't have any patience with what's going on right now. I think that's more yeah. so of a pressure move on the GM because he's just kind of um, – I think he's kind of panicking at this point because nothing he's doing is going right. I think he's trying everything in his power, and I think he's kind of like everything I'm doing isn't going right. I'm just going to start over completely. I'm just going to scrap everything. I'm going to start from fresh. And hopefully I can rebuild again and bring this team back to Super Bowl. Um, me personally, I think that Super Bowl team was a very good team. They just had a lot of injuries and they were just, you know, Carson Wentz wasn't there. You know, mm-hmm. they did Nick Foles is, is stepping in and, you know, he's doing the best he can. And, you know, they had a lot of injuries on defense that year too. So you can only do so much when the team is constantly injured. Um, I would say, look at the training staff. What, what's going on? Why are these guys always getting injured? Why are the Eagles always an injury-prone team? It's like every year the Eagles are known to have, you know, at least four to five major guys they need are going to be out for a long period of time, and some of them are out for the season. So it's just it's just very unfortunate. Um, and like you said, I think the patience more so – it's a, it's just Philly in general. And yeah. I, I think it goes what goes on with multiple sports. Philly is just a very impatient city. And, you know, it, is, it goes – it trickles down to the, to the organizations and, you know, the organizations feel the pressure from the fans. The fans are constantly heckling these players and, and GMs about what they're doing. And then, you know, they're just getting pressure into making these moves they don't really want to make. Yeah. It, it's Philly fans, stop. Have some patience. Yeah, man. Stop heckling you gotta, your team. Man. Yeah, you, you can't keep kicking your guys down. Yeah, let, let, let them build. Let them get, let them get acclimated into where, the, you know, the, the league they're in. You know, let, let them perform then. Okay, so number three, we have a guy that we wanted to put higher, but we just couldn't because of what their GM is saying, and that's Vic Fangio. And there, I, I literally played a video for you. You're like, just stop it. Just I, I know, I know exactly where this is going because in the yeah. first like ten seconds of video, he's like, you know, the biggest reason why I have a, you know, why I'm here, why I took a job here was because of Vic Fangio. And like, yo, like the GM's not. Gonna, Fire this guy, no matter how bad he does. And Vic Fangio has been doing really poorly. Really bad. Uh, uh, not even just on the field. He just uh, he just talks reckless off 
field man and post game interviews stuff like that where he yeah calling out the ravens like they don't care about player safety like what are you talking about bro like you just man you're you're talking you're talking about a team that their their main concern right now is player safety because they have so many injuries i think that's the number one thing the ravens will be concerned about is player safety yeah they don't want anybody else getting injured (laughs) um yeah i and, and the Broncos have just been so underachieving. They have so much talent on offense and defense. Mm-hmm. I think their I think their refusal to commit to a running back is hurting them. Because in my opinion, I think Javante Williams is just far far away better than Melvin, Melvin Gordon. Gordon. Yeah, one thousand percent. No offense to Melvin Gordon, but Javante's the younger, fresher legs. He's more explosive. He's quicker. I. I think he's better right now, in my opinion. He's a rookie, yeah. you know. I think they should, at the deadline, they should have probably traded Melvin Gordon for a piece on defense because they just gave away Von Miller for nothing. Yeah. Well, not for nothing, but they just gave away Von Miller. You got to fill that gap somehow. They should trade uh, Melvin Gordon even for a pick. There's well, still, assist, still, assist, assist. essentially, it's, essentially, it's kind of nothing because they're paying his salary. Yeah. I mean, this that, that was just a, such a typical Denver move, in my opinion. Um, you let You let a team that's already – you know, I imagine I imagine this deal would have never been able to get done if Denver didn't agree to paying a salary because there's just no way the Rams had the money. I mean, you look at all these guys they have on this team. There's no way that they have the money to pay all these guys. There's just no way that it could happen. So then once the news came out that Denver's going to pay the rest of his salary, well, yeah, it makes sense. The guy's going there to play. You're going there for free. He's not even getting a paycheck from this team. He's just going there to probably, I mean, at this point, it's Super Bowl the bus for the Rams. So he's going there to compete for a Super Bowl. So he's going to get the Super Bowl. Then he's going to get paid from his former team. And now the Rams are already talking about they want to extend him for long term. So, you know, he's getting the best of both worlds right now. Um, I, I just – I'm not – I just don't think Vic Fangio has any clue of what he's doing. Um, I think he's very clueless. Uh, he just, there's just so many questionable things that he does and so many questionable just mistakes that he makes in-game. Um these and then what he says post game it's just like there's there's so many signs and there's just like what like what what are we doing with this guy get this guy out of here Denver is in high need of a new coach you have so much talent everywhere on the field that there's no way that the head coach can't find a way to connect all these guys together and just get them to jail and make this work it's a it's a circle of ineptitude in in Denver I mean they have a bad owner so he got a bad GM and the bad GM got a bad GM coach. got a bad it's coach. Like, it's just like and the, the worst. The worst part is like is the nepotism because it's like the GM said he wouldn't be if it wasn't for, for Vic Fangio. So like they're friends. He's not going to fire Vic Fangio most yeah, likely. No. Um, the owner likes him and the owner likes the GM as well. There's just so many, like, like there's no it's way just, that it's just like a poverty it has franchise. To be complete overhaul. They just they're just there at this point. They're a poverty franchise who doesn't want to get rich. They just don't want. They just don't. They just don't want the glory. They just want to continue to struggle. They don't want to compete in the AFC West. They just want to continue to be, you know, that that top, that bottom tier team to get all these lottery picks. And then you get these guys that some of these guys are like, I don't want to go to Denver. Do you, do you, do you, I mean, let's be honest. You guys really think Jerry Judy wanted to get drafted by Denver? No, I guarantee you that was one of his last landing spots. You think Patrick Sertain wanted to go to Denver? Absolutely not. Of course, he's going to say when he gets drafted. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, I'm going to give him everything I can. Yeah, they're giving you a job. You, they, they made you a professional athlete. But, and you know, in the back of his mind, he's like, I don't want to be here. What? I don't want to go to a mile-high Denver. I don't want to be stuck in this horrible atmosphere and these 
different altitudes and just a horrible coach. And it's just, yeah, nobody wants to be there. Von Miller obviously didn't want to be there anymore. He got away immediately. He got away and he went to LA. Now he's living his life and he's, and he's, and he's on a Super Bowl contender team. Yeah. When he was a franchise guy, who I wouldn't have thought would, would have been traded. I was completely shocked by the news. I mean, Von Miller requesting a trade should just be the peak of like, get this guy out of here. Working here. Like, it should be the biggest wake-up sign to the front office to be like, okay, we need to make some serious changes. But they yeah. still haven't. They've been coasting. They're not good at evaluating quarterback talent. And even when they are, they're not good at using their quarterback talent. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater was doing just fine in Carolina last year. Now he look, doesn't even look average, right? And I don't think it's a. I don't think it's on Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, he's got injured. It's, so it's, it's more so on the like, scheme. It's it's it's, it's yeah. the scheme they're trying to get him to run, and he's just not that type of quarterback. And trying to mold him into a quarterback yeah. that he's not. That's the problem. Vic Vangio is very like it's my way or the highway. You buy right. into what I'm doing, and I'm not going to adjust to my players around me. You guys do what I say, and you guys make it work my way and how I think it's going to work. Like you got to yeah. adjust. This is the NFL. It's all about adjusting. It's all about what making your players feel comfortable with so they can succeed on the field on Sundays. Yeah, I I don't know if they will fire him, but we both agree they probably should. And they should yes. honestly wipe their whole front office, just start over, man. Just start over. They're not going anywhere at this rate. Fresh start completely. Yeah. Uh, let's go to number two. Coach of the most uh, – I don't know if they're the most disappointing team. We'll probably make a video on that. But they're one of the most disappointing teams. Uh, the Panthers coach, Matt Rule. Man, I mean, there were rumors from Colin Cowherd's sources that he wanted to go back to college. And they, I mean, they won this past week, I believe, but it wasn't by much. And they've been losing pretty badly throughout. Ever since week three, they just dropped off, just completely. Yeah. Um... Ever since McCaffrey got hurt and they traded, they traded Dan Arnold, offense has just gone to nothing. <laughs> Sam Darnold has just not been good enough. And that's the reason why he's a number two for me and not number one is because he has a little bit of an out where he can blame Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, I don't know, I, like there's so much talent on this team. And even Sam Darnold is still talented, you know, even though he hasn't been playing up to par. He's all talented enough to where like you should be able to get something out of him. Yes. Like absolutely. something more out of him. Right. And, and, and another thing was that Matt rules that, you know, in the offseason, he brought in a lot of guys that he coached in college. Yeah. He brought in a lot of guys that, you know, are, you know, they're, they're comfortable with his system. They know what he does. They know how he coaches. They, and, you know, it's still not working. So that should be a big sign. Like, come on, what is really going on? Is, he, is this guy just not capable to get the job done at the professional level? Now, every, everybody's not meant to be an NFL coach, you know. Um, yeah. Nick Saban, he tried it out. He just wasn't – it wasn't meant for him. He's a college legend now. I mean, it, it's just – you're not everybody is meant to be that top tier of an of a coach. Sometimes some people just aren't ready for that next step and just ready for that that real professional level of coaching. Yeah, I mean it's no slight. Like you're just not you're not fit for the NFL. Um yeah, and, and it's not and I'm not saying that Matt Rule is a bad coach. I don't think he's a bad coach. I just don't think yeah. he's a good fit for what the NFL is. He's just not fit to coach these professional Yes. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It, his schemes kind of feel old and traditional mm-hmm. uh, when the league is heading in a different direction. Uh, but, like, 
my thing is that like if there's even a hint of truth to those rumors that he wants to go back to college it's almost sounds like he's giving up on the team right like he's just straight up saying we've hit it we've hit a rough patch i'm done with these guys right and the the worst part is he's doing it at a point where the morale of the team is already down yeah because they're on a losing skid and then you just that just that him them hearing that like even if it's not true it being in the media it's going to ruin your team's morale even worse because then they're gonna they're gonna question you they're gonna look at you funny they're not gonna trust you anymore you know it's just it there's there's so many things that are going to just just dwindle down and ruin the relationship between him and the players yeah um something else i wanted to say but i forgot if i remember i'll go back to it but before we get to number one, I do want to go over honorable mentions because these are some guys who they probably should be, but we think they're probably not going to be fired. So let's start with Urban Meyer is probably the biggest name. We don't have a number one. He has not been a great coach. It took him four weeks to figure out James Robinson's actually a good football player. Um, it, he got caught cheating on his wife. He apologized and lost the respect of his locker room. So much has been going on. But at the same time, like, they, for some reason, the, the GM just decides he just wants to stick with him. I, w- I, w- I would say that from day one, the immediate red flag was when he drafted Travis Etienne. Yeah. When they have James Robinson on the team. I mean, that you could have used that pick for so many different things things that you needed for this team and you decided to get a running back when you already have your running back i mean there's just there's just no reason upgrade the line mm-hmm. get trevor lawrence some protection so he can so he's to succeed yeah. right now trevor lawrence is looking horrible well on top of that he has probably one of the worst o-lines in the nfl yeah. he, he did nobody's going to succeed in jacksonville when you have those guys blocking for you it's just not going to work yeah so the thing about jacksonville is that they traded everything away right, for picks. They traded Calais Campbell, they traded Yannick Ngakwe, like they traded away their entire defense um, and they haven't gotten many pieces to replace them. Like, with that pick, even if, like, even if you can make the, the argument that, okay, they were going to line ETN up in the slot or they're going to line him up outside, he was going to be more of a receiver. Uh, even if you can make that argument, I mean, you could have also just drafted a receiver. <laughs> I yeah. mean, there, there were, were some decent receivers. There were plenty the of receivers on the board. That they could have taken. They could. Sean Bateman was on the board, I think, when they had their pick, right? Yep, I believe he was because I think you guys got him. What was it? Late in the first round or late in the second round? It was twenty-seven, I think, like overall. So I think guys got him like towards the end of the first. Yep. Um. I mean, there were there were definitely there were yeah for sure there were guys. Uh, Bateman was on the list. Um. I think was it was Elijah Moore on the list at that point? I don't think uh, I don't think Elijah Moore was a first round draft pick. I think he went second round. You're right. So Elijah Moore was on the board. I mean, he could have arguably been, been taken in the first round. I don't think it would have been a bad a bad thing if he was taken in the first round. Um, and the thing is, like, that's not even their need though. Like, they have they yeah. brought in Marvin Jones. They had DJ Chark before he got hurt. They have Lavisca Chenault. Chenault. Like, they do not need more offensive help need, unless yeah. it's on the line. Like. They should have drafted a D lineman or a, somebody in the secondary, some a safety, somebody, just somebody other than ETN. Yeah. Urban Meyer's not been doing a great job, but the reason he's not on this list is because, I mean, he just signed a deal 
and he's already gone through a serious controversy and they kept him. Yeah. That does not bode well for uh, his firing, in my yeah. opinion. Another name on this list uh, in terms of honorable mentions, uh, Frank Reich of the Colts. He just got a big deal like a, like last year, I think. So I don't think yeah. he's going to be. I don't think he's going to be gone. And he has a big excuse with Carson Wentz. He's a big out, right? He can just be like, "Hey, it was Carson Wentz." He can kind of just put the blame. He has somebody to put the blame on, so he doesn't get the heat. Yeah. Uh, we also have Kyle Shanahan of the 49ers. I think he's been pretty disappointing as a head coach. Yes, I absolutely. Like, I don't like how he's been treating his guys. Like he didn't let Ayuk play for like half the season. <laughs> like he's, he just he's, refused he's, to play. He's just he's just kind of just like he's so obsessed with this like thought of how he thinks things should work that he yeah. just he's not even playing his best guys when they should be on the field. Yeah. At that point, he's just hindering the team. I mean, what is the point of not playing Brandon Ayuk? He wasn't injured. I think he was a little banged up, but I I don't think he was physically incapable of not performing. I think Brandon Ayuk was very capable of performing and he was very capable of being more productive than Trent Sherfield, 1000%. There's no yeah. way that Trent Sherfield at any point in time should be above Brandon Ayuk on a, on a, on a death chart. There's just no point in time ever. Yeah. He said that he got that Trent Sherfield outplayed him. I don't believe it. <laughs> I'm going to be real. I don't believe it. There's no way. Um, and even still, like if he outplayed him in practice, like that's just practice. Like, some guys barely practice or barely do anything in practice and just practice, go off in the game. Performing right? games. I believe Tyreek Hill, to, to be a prime example, I think Tyreek Hill has limited practices every week, so he doesn't really practice much. But everybody knows, come on Sunday, Tyreek Hill's going to play and he's going to have a great game. There's just, yeah. there's just no de- denying it. Uh, another coach. Probably uh, one of the biggest omissions on this list as well, Pete Carroll the Seattle Seahawks he this is my issue with um coaches in the NFL I feel kind of spoiled I guess as a Ravens fan but like when you have talent you shouldn't try to fit them into your system unless they're a natural fit you should build a new system around what they do best so like with the Ravens you saw what happened when their OC tried to fit Lamar into Joe Flacco's offense. It didn't work. First round exit mm-hmm. right, to the Chargers. That was his rookie year. But you saw what happened the year right after that when they got Greg Roman and John Harbaugh was like, we need to build this offense around Lamar. And you saw what happened. They exploded. He got an MVP. I believe I'm what, just first saying, he threw for 400 yards week one. He threw I 400 yards. coaches that – Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just think that coaches that are so set in their ways about their system that they that they fail to look at the talent on the team are detrimental to their team. And that's yes. Pete Carroll right now. He is so obsessed with running the ball that it's hurting his team, even when Russell Wilson was healthy, because they would run the ball like 20 times and they would use Alex Collins or like, like backup running backs. This is what like after, right after Chris Carson got hurt, they would run the ball like 20 times a game. Like you could count on that. They're going to get 20 carries a game. Yeah. Somebody in this game. Is carries. And it was against some teams. It was against, it was against good run defenses, but he just kept running it for some reason. And you have DK Metcalf. 
You have Tyler Lockett. Lockett. You have Russell Wilson. Wilson. The the rookie. There's so many. There's so many names down the list. Pete Carroll, when are you going to figure it out? I thought after the Super Bowl when you had that horrible call on a one-yard line, you would have figured it out immediately then. Use your players to their best abilities at all times. And you have yet to learn that. Um, it's like he's making that same Super Bowl mistake. He's making that same mistake yeah. over and over again. But in reverse, he's like traumatized that he didn't run the ball. So he just wants to run the ball. Constantly. Run the ball constantly now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like, I don't think he's going to be fired because he just signed a big deal. Like a couple, I think a year or two ago. So I don't know if they will fire him, but like, like for one, he's so old. <laughs> Like, yeah, man. Let him retire. Like, let's, let, let him retire. Let him live his life. Time. Just, just, just re get a new coach who will, able, who's able to adjust. Like, yeah. In my opinion, I think Kellen Moore would be a perfect fit if he's able to get a head coaching job yeah. and he's able to go there and change the offense yes. like he has, and and uh and um and um and in Dallas, oh, mm-hmm. Russell Wilson will be back to MVP level. I guarantee you, he will. Yep. No doubt in my mind, Kellen yeah. Moore can bring Russell Wilson back to that MVP caliber quarterback who he is. That's a, that's a very good, uh, it's a very good uh, fit for him. Yeah, you're right. If he can do what he did with Dak to Russell Wilson, I mean, he could, he could have another MVP, he could have an MVP year. I mean, he has, I don't think he's ever been like, I don't think he ever got one MVP vote, right? No. I think he's had, he's had hot streaks and then the team starts running the ball and then they ruin his stats and he just doesn't really, he doesn't gradually get better. He just gets worse because they just want to run the ball 50 times a game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I he needs to be unleashed and needs to be in a more maybe even be in, a, a in, run pass option. If you still want to run the ball, like yeah, use some RPOs, even, get him involved. Even even with even with even the thing with uh with his receivers, Kellen Moore will find a way to get all these guys open. There was so but there will be so many design plays. For certain guys at certain moments, D, like third down, DK, DK or Lockett should be getting the ball third down every single time. There's no way that DK or Lockett is not getting the ball in their hands on a big third down at any point in the game. Um, and I think Kellen Moore will find a way to make that happen. Um, he's doing it right now in Dallas with a great receiving core. I think he could go to that great receiving course in Seattle and do the exact same thing. Yeah, when you look at the routes that they were running just last year, it was either like immediate, like short pass, or it was deep. Like there was like barely any mid. There's um, no intermediate routes. routes. There's no crossers. <clears throat> yeah. There's no there's there's no type of you know pick play set up for these guys. It was kind of just like you know we're either going to go short, we're going to go long, or we're going to run the ball. Just very backyard, old school football, and it's not like a very updated mindset. I how offense is working in NFL now. Yeah, and I mean, he just needs to. We need someone to let Russ. I mean, it, it's been such a. It's been a thing on social media for so long. Let Russ cook. Yeah, do it. I and mean, he's a tremendous talent. Like, like, right. If you still want to run the ball, run some. You know, read options. Like, do do something to get both parties involved. But like, look at Chris Carson and all the injuries he's been dealing with. Pete Carroll's run him into the ground, and they don't have a. They don't have a clear backup as talented or near his talent level. Mm-hmm. Uh, no offense, Alex Collins. I love you, big dog. But like, you're, you know, I, I, you're just, I you're, you're, you're just not, yeah, you're just, you're just not, a, you're not a twenty carry back. Yeah, at most ten, eleven, and that, and that's like a relief that. Back. Yeah, you're, you're a relief back, more like 
you know, 10, 11 carries, 10, 11 carries, and you get a lot of your carries in garbage time when the team's already up, and they're kind of just trying to drain the clock. Um, I think a big thing for me is that, you know, Pete Carroll runs the ball so much that he'd be get down, and then he gets so stuck in running the ball that he's trying to fight his way back, and it forces Russ Wilson to, you know, try to get these home run plays, and he's making mistakes, or he's just not completing them. Or it's just, it's, 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 now at this point, it's kind of making Russell Wilson look bad. And yeah. I don't think it's all Russell Wilson. I think it's just, it's horrible game management with Pete Carroll and his play calling. Yeah. And also, I mean, just the front office has failed so much um, in acquiring talent. I mean, their defense is still so suspect. Yes. Jamal Adams is one of the worst trades that's, that's happened. I mean, he's a, he's, he's a talented he's, player. He's easily the worst covered safety in the NFL right now. <laughs> He's a, he's still a talented player, but like he's not worth for one the contract they they just paid him or they just no, offered him. Not at all. And two, they gave up two first round picks to get him. Like, I'm sorry, he's not a game changer on defense. I don't think he should be getting game changing money. He's a he's a very he's a great run support and he's a great run support mm-hmm. tight safety. But when it comes to coverage, um, do I think he can improve? Absolutely. But he just mm-hmm. he just never really looks like he's kind of gets the coverages. He doesn't, he's not very um what's what is the word? He's not very uh he's just not very football smart when it comes to coverages. He just he makes very sloppy his mistakes. Reads. His reads are horrible, his reactions when it comes to, you know, just when he's covering somebody are just bad. I think there's a point where he got burned by Tyler Higby. And I think Tyler Higby's one of the slower tight ends in the league. Like he's not even a a hybrid tight end like like a Kyle Pitts or a Noah Fant. Like it's that's just not even his MO. Yeah. And I mean there's just so much we, we can make a separate video in general just on Pete Carroll what the Seahawks are doing, but I mean that's for the future. Um yeah he so he missed the list because we I don't think we both don't think he's probably gonna get fired sadly um sadly for the Seahawks fan base. Uh yeah, let's go to the number one on this list, who is – I feel like everyone should just saw, should see this coming, Matt Nagy of the Chicago Bears. I mean, if there's, if there's one event that just cemented that he should not be coaching for this team anymore, it was when he got COVID and sat out. And everyone was like, oh, the Bears are going to win this game now. And you know what? The Bears have performed better on offense and defense that I've seen – this entire season, entire that season. was the best performance of the season. It's not a coincidence that it just so happened to be when Matt Nagy was out. No, it's because he was out that they did so good. Like, let's be honest. Yeah, um, I think Matt Nagy has a – he's just horrible at, you know, building around his players. He's yeah. another guy where it's kind of just like it's my way or the – another. He's just, he's, just a Vic, he's just another Vic Vangio. Him and Vic Vangio are very alike, which is why they're, you know, in my opinion, we, you know – I kind of thought without that deal, Vic Vangio probably would have been two on this list. But um, Matt Nagy just he, – he kind of just refuses to adjust to who his quarterback is. Justin Fields is a dual-threat quarterback. Let him roll out. You can't make this guy a pocket passer. Don't, don't, don't make him sit in the pocket and not use his legs because that is his best asset. His legs and his armor is his best asset. He's a perfect dual-threat. He's able to, you know – you know, he's not, he's not a Lamar Jackson blazing athletic quarterback – but he's able to scramble for, you know, 15, 20 yards every now and then to make a play when you need him to, you know. Um, and then that draws guys to come down. He can – and he's, he has the arm to, you know, advance the ball downfield. 
Um, I just I just think he's horrible at, you know, kind of fitting an offense for his quarterback. He's not yeah. very good at doing that. Um, he ran Mitch Trubisky out of there. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, I think his first preseason game, mind you, it's only preseason, but he looked amazing. Uh, I think the Bills' uh, uh, offense fits him fits his play style more. Um, but you know, Matt Nagy just That's, he's just not very good at what he's yeah. doing. That's what I was talking about too earlier is that like every coach on this list is trying to fit their players into a system. But the best coaches in the league, Andy Reid, John Harbaugh, you can throw Sean McDermott in there, um, Sean McVay, they build their systems around their talent. And that is the difference between a successful head coach and an unsuccessful head coach in the NFL. Because um, this is not like college where you can recruit like 20 guys and just pick the one who fits best. And then the other guys, you just tell them to go transfer. <laughs> like, it's yeah. not like that. It's just, right? it's just not, it's not going to happen that way. Yeah. So you have to, you have to work with what you've got. Uh, and Matt Nagy just consistently every single year just makes the most boneheaded decisions in terms of who he plays, who he starts, who he gives minutes to, who he gives snaps to. His schemes, his his rotation, it's just all so questionable. And for years, for years, everyone has been like, Matt Nagy, why are you doing this? Because there's so many obvious solutions to problems that he creates that would help the Bears that he just doesn't do. For example, let's just look at David Montgomery. This guy coming out of college, one of the most electric running backs. Uh, He could catch a little bit, but he was – explosive he's powerful he can uh you know he need to muscle up a little bit but this is a guy who they selected in the draft and they barely used him in his rookie year they limited him his second year they were still limiting him behind Tariq Cohen and uh, I think Damian Williams was Damian Williams there at the time no it was it was it was it was, uh, it was Cordell Patterson <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. They were. He was. He wasn't getting snaps because of those two guys. And Tariq Cohen is good, but like he's a pass catching back. He's not an every down guy. Yeah. And David Montgomery is somebody who you can put in on every down because he can catch the ball. David Montgomery has gotten much better now, and they finally realized, oh, we should be playing this guy. This, this, this is the <laughs> guy we drafted. Like, oh, this I forgot we drafted this guy. It took Matt Nagy two and a half years to realize David Montgomery is good and finally start to use him. And now this is a problem in terms of how much is he looking to get paid now? Because I believe this is his uh, – it's either this year it's coming, or it's, it's coming up. I think, I think his rookie it's coming his up year, soon. his new extension is coming up, yeah. Yeah, so now you kind of create the situation of like, okay, he – you let him develop into a really, really good running back and you didn't use him that first year that could have helped your team. I believe they made playoffs that year, didn't they? They could have helped him in the playoffs. Uh, And now you have to pay this guy. It's going to be harder to put talent around your team now unless you pay him. They might not pay him but because now they have Khalil Herbert, but they kind of lucked in that. They kind of just fell. They fell ass backwards into finding Khalil Herbert. They didn't. Yeah. It's not like it wasn't. Nagy, he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't a guy that they were looking yeah. to get. Yeah, and 
so he here's the bottom line is that it's just his decision making his coaching has been questioned by literally everybody like almost everything he's done and even his on the field decisions <clears throat> have just been scrutinized and it's like at, at what point do you sit back and be like okay when are we going to get a coach that just does the obvious thing i feel like he overthinks so much of what he wants to do and it's Absolutely. like when are we gonna you know as a bear as for bears fans they're probably sitting back and i know they hate matt nagy in uh in chicago i know he's not a not a liked person over there <clears throat> but like when is the front office going to sit back and be like let's get a coach that just does the obvious thing gets us where we need to be and helps us win games like I don't think Matt Nagy is helping him win games. It's probably the opposite. It's, it's, it's very clear that Matt Nagy is just, he's the problem. He's the cancer. He's not getting the job done. Just release the cancer. Get rid of the toxicness. Get rid of this, this, this boneheaded, just, just dumb, immature, irrational decision-making uh, coach. Just, just get somebody who's capable to, you know, adjust. That's Matt Nagy's number one problem. And that's everybody on this list of problem. They have, they're horrible at adjusting to what they have. And, you know, it, it's really sad to see, honestly. It really is. Yeah, I mean, it took him two and a half years to realize David Montgomery was good. Uh, he threw Justin Fields into the fire and the the plays he was trying to design just not for him. I mean, he was getting yeah. destroyed. The offensive line was not great and he was getting destroyed and Matt Nagy did nothing to help him out. Uh, and then also... I don't know if I fully blame Matt Nagy for this. This might have been like a directive from the front office, but like he told Andy Dalton, you're the starter. You're the starter. He got hurt. He was like, okay, when you come back, you're the starter. You're the starter. It was like the week before, the week before he was supposed to come back healthy. He was still saying Andy Dalton is still the starter. And everyone was like, bro, you just selected a very high, highly ranked quarterback. <laughs> you should be playing him. The obvious thing to do, right? Yes, but at the I'm, same time, as a man, you promise to another to another man that you are gonna play him, and he's you're my guy. And then what happens? Like the day, like uh, like a few days before their game, nah, Justin Fields is starter. It's like come yeah, on, yeah, he he like he, he, doing he, Andy he pulled the so bamboozle. Dirty. He pulled the bamboozle yeah. on Andy Dalton. Um, I mean, this is something that he should have made. He should have never even gave Andy Dalton a starting job from the from the giga. I think Justin yeah. Fields should have been starting week one. Um, just because, just so you can help him build, just build his character, build the experience, let him get used to the NFL, let him get used to the game speed, let him get used to his players. You know, they have a young team necessarily. So a lot of the receivers that are young, you know, let him build that chemistry with them. Let him build a relationship with these guys on the field. Let him, you know, let him get used to the, their, their habits, you know, how they run their routes, the timing. And instead, you know, you got him sitting back and then he throw him, like you said, he, he threw him in the fire against who was that Cleveland who at that time they were healthy and the, 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 the D line was amazing. And I believe he had a horrible game. I don't even think he threw for a hundred yards. And I think he had like, I think he had like 80 yards passing. And I think he had like fumbled and he, I think he had threw an interception that game. I believe, I don't know if that's for sure. Don't quote yeah, me on that. He got sacked so much that I think their overall offense, like yards was negative. It was like negative two. No, that's that was the thing. He got sacked more times than he more than more uh completed passes. Yeah. He got sacked more. I think he completed a total of I think six passes. I think he was sacked like nine times. I think it's been crazy like that. Yeah, I mean 
Is some of that on Justin Fields? Yeah. But at the same time, he's a rookie. This is his first ever NFL start. I mean, if you you watch the game, you can go back and even look at highlights. The game plan was not meant for him. He didn't even try to adjust to even give him any advantage to, you know, succeed. He just threw him in there with Andy Dalton's play calling, Andy Dalton's style of play, and he was like, you know, just just make it work for this week, and we're going to sit you right back on the bench. And it's just, it's just that's just not something you do as a head coach, especially not a guy that you drafted with. What was it? Was it a top five? No, I didn't. They trade up for him. In like, no, no, no. Uh, they they, they, they uh, trade up for him. I think it was it. Uh, it was within like ten to. It was ten. To, 10, 10, 10, to 15, ten to fifteen. Ten to fifteen. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that that you traded up for him. You don't play him. You don't even all offseason. You don't even think about making a playbook for him. So it's just like, what were you? What was the point of even drafting him? You weren't even going to try to adjust to even make it work for him when the time came. Yeah, I mean, this yeah, they're a mess. The Bears are a mess. Matt, I feel like I think everybody knows Matt Nagy needs to go. And the compounding statement to that, like the evidence was that they missed, he missed one game and the Bears looked better and smoother in every facet of the game than they have this entire season. Just yes, straight up. Absolutely. Uh, and did, did they lost that game, didn't they? I'm trying to remember. Well, um, uh, 49ers, I believe they did lose that game, yes. But still, like it was competitive. That's something you can't yes, say. They, to it was, they competed. The they competed very well. Yeah. I, I think they gave the 49ers some trouble when the 49ers should have just walked walked over them with no problem. Yeah. I didn't finish the game, but from what I was watching, they were competitive and I was actually impressed. And Justin Fields looked like a top 10 pick, right? Mm-hmm. He looked like he, he belonged in the NFL, and that's something he just didn't look like with Matt Nagy's system. So, I mean, that's all we really got to say on this subject. It's, that's, why, that's why he's our number one most likely to get fired head coach in this offseason. Uh, we wouldn't be surprised at any of the, any of the other guys we, we mentioned. There's a lot of coaches that could definitely, you know, need some need a hot seat to get him going. Uh, but yeah, at, at the end of the day, thank you all for watching, for listening. Uh, like, subscribe, do all that good stuff. If you're listening on an audio platform, jump over to our YouTube. We got extra content on there, uh, short shorter videos if you're interested in that. Uh, but yeah, thank you all for watching. I've been Bert. Hey. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much.